Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's good on a Sunday like this to have such wonderful songs to be able to be singing. We have a lot to give thanks for. As we look at the text today, you know, it never ceases to amaze me after numerous times of hearing Matthew chapter 6, singing songs about it, the one that Kelly just read for us. I, I still go into this way of thinking sometimes that this, this thinking that says, see, you don't have what you want because you're doing it wrong. You got to do this first and then you're going to get what you want. I find myself still trying to control the situation to bend and manipulate the word to my will and to what I can get and what I want out of it. Whether that's simply still coming down to worrying about food or clothes or this or that, in my head, in my heart sometimes, I'm still very much concerned about these things first. And our text today calls that worry. Now, if you'll remember from last week, we looked at the parable that Jesus told of the rich man and his desire to build barns. He got a big harvest, and he thought that he'd never have to work again, that he'd never have to worry. And in Luke, this Matthew text that Kelly read for us follows, immediately, uh, follows that immediately. But in Matthew, it follows Jesus' teachings on giving, prayer, fasting, and where your treasure is. So really what we're doing today is we're continuing last week, and we're looking at the other side of the coin. See, the rich man had an abundance of good, so he could eat and drink, and wear whatever he wanted. But now Jesus is speaking to those who lack material goods, and so those who worry about what to eat and drink. Now, most people in the time of Christ did have to worry that they wouldn't either eat or drink today, that they were living paycheck to paycheck, really day to day. And many people didn't know when or if they would ever eat again and how they were going to provide for their family. So this time when Jesus speaks, it's not because you have such an abundance that you don't need to worry about these things. He's directing this right to their hearts, right to the where their needs truly are, even when they have nothing. See, this, friends, is a matter of entrusting one's life to God. Now, we all fall somewhere on that spectrum of abundance and need, but still we're called, what, three, maybe four times in this text to put worrying aside, to not be anxious, that such worrying of these things is a sign of little faith, that by pursuing these things, we're going to fall into the same trap as the rich man who looked to possessions to provide his security. This is a matter of entrusting our lives to God. Rather than worry, we are called to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And seek. The Gospel of John records Jesus' first spoken words as, what do you seek? Now, in some translations, it's what are you looking for? What do you want? What are you after? But the word is seek. And he speaks this to his first disciples who come to him. Now, this question isn't an inquiry, right? Jesus isn't looking for information, because we're going to see in just a few verses that he can read hearts and size up people's character right away like he does with Nathaniel and Simon. This isn't a question for Jesus. It is a question for his disciples. It is a question for you and me. What do you seek? This question throws it back upon ourselves, calls us to look at our own experience, our own story. What is it that drives you, that has value for you, that makes you decide to go this way instead of that way? Our Lord is inviting us to speak from the heart and give answer. 
And he encourages us to move beyond our immediate appetite and multiple distortions of self-congratulatory motivations and instead to crave and desire something more. See, when we get past this initial reaction of, of food and clothes and splendor, the question is an invitation to speak from our heart, a question for every disciple to consider. So I ask you, what are you looking for? What is the desire of your heart, that longing that you have in your soul? Do you want to have better food and clothes? Do we want to enhance our reputation? Do we want acceptance, redemption, a cure perhaps? An answer to all our questions, someone to come and solve all our problems. You know, Jesus knows that we want all these things. And today, the teacher, the good shepherd, would guide our hearts deeper. See, Jesus sees and he knows that there is trouble. Oh, Lord, is there trouble right now? Feelings of being left out, feelings of being alone, depression. Jesus knows and sees that there are needs. I said this last week, I'll say it again. Our prayer list hasn't been longer than it is now. And I know that there is even more that are not even on this list that need our prayers. Jesus sees and knows the pressure and the shame that we are feeling as everything is closing and getting tighter again and getting harder and harder. He knows that there is discomfort, that there is grief, that there is pain. But our Lord sees us and he knows us. This text isn't just some don't worry, be happy kind of text. Our Lord gets it and offers us a life that is more. Not more stuff, but a life that is more. See, he wants our hearts. And he invites us to entrust our lives to him. And so he says, seek his kingdom. This is not a kingdom about the future ages, that if you, in order to enter it, you must be in heaven. Since some political party or some program or even a certain church, the kingdom of God is the divine force in this world that is bringing healing and hope to a suffering humanity. The kingdom of God is to be a, a strong force in our lives. It is to be experienced and lived in the present day. This experience of healing and hope, not a once this is all over, then we'll be in the kingdom, or as soon as I get through this, then I'll be there. It's now, it's here right here and here. And it's wherever you find yourself to be. See, Christ calls us to look past these illusions of being our own king, our own queen, who seeks to plan out this life for ourselves first, who's seeking to make our own kingdom first, who is tirelessly working to control our own image, our homes, our lives, only to have them snatched away from us only to have the rug pulled out from under us and the entire world turned upside down, only to have the things that we thought we were controlling somehow have become our own master. He offers more and says to live in this kingdom, you can take off your crown, lay it at his feet, and learn to surrender, surrender to his will, to let him reign over your life, to choose to follow him daily, or as we like to say, to die to sin and daily rise with him instead. 
Friends, this isn't easy. <laughs> it's not easy. I, I think of the skit that I saw once about the rich man who was told to leave all his possessions and follow Jesus. And he walks away. Peter in the skit comes running after him, right? Trying to stop him and tell him how it's going to be worth it. The rich man looks him up and down and says, walk away from all of this? What did you give up, Peter? Getting up at 3 a.m., backbreaking work, reeking of fish, being sore? <laughs> yeah, you gave up a lot, but look, look at all that I have. Who would walk away from all of this? I pray that we do. I pray that we can have the courage to let go of the sin that so easily entangles us, the things that hold us back and keep us down, the, the stuff we try to pack into our suitcase and then drag into the kingdom. And instead, we let it, let it, let it go and leave it behind and stand before Him just as we are. That by faith, we would serve. That by faith, we would worship. That by faith, we would seek Him. Now, I've heard that in this kingdom of God, that faith as small as a mustard seed can do great things. Maybe that means that we can take little steps here, steps that are going to be small in the eyes of the world, but isn't. Isn't it just like our God to take something small and make a huge change in us and in his kingdom? Friends, Megan just said that 100 children have Christmas gifts. We're not going to be there to see their joy on their face. And a hundred children really doesn't make a dent in the world all that much. But to the one, to the one it certainly does. I got to witness this week 50 families get to come drive through and receive a Thanksgiving meal. They got groceries and they got a gift card for even more. And that happened because many in this congregation, pooled our resources together to give to those who were in need. I witnessed a group of moms come together as a Bible study and create packages of care and love for children so that they would receive a blanket, a stuffed animal, and a book. I witnessed one person sew together 60 beanies so that heads would be warm during these winter times. Today I saw doors being closed on worship services, but I also saw the gospel still being preached. Confession of sin still given. Praise and prayers still offered to our God. And I am confident that through it all, we will still, as the people of God, continue to seek. I don't know what the little steps are going to be for you today. The more I learn about giving and serving, the more I realize it's not about the amount, it's about the heart, the attitude, the posture, and the desire that we have for it. See, small things done in and for the kingdom have a profound effect. And this heart is the representation of the inner self, the inner person. The Pharisees only cared about what it looked like on the outside, but God sees the heart. And when we live in this kingdom and seek his righteousness, his ways, that's when we can say, Our all is well. It doesn't mean I'm going to get more things or that I'm going to get what I want because I've given or served. It simply means that my life is well, my soul is well. For the kingdom of God brings hope and healing and his salvation. Friends, the Lord has come and brought peace to our hearts and to our minds. 
This is a healing of the soul, the restoring of the heart. His hope and His salvation takes sinners who were dead and buried and going in their own way and brings them to life and puts them on the paths of righteousness. The only things we do in this kingdom are the things that we see our Father doing. And the Father Himself covers us in His righteousness. We learn how to live and how to work in this kingdom by watching our Father do it, the one who has done it, who is doing it right now and will continue to do it. Our Father even goes as far as preparing the very good things that He has for us to do even before we get there. And it is the Father who clothes us, clothes us in love, patience, kindness. And it is the Father who gives us food to eat, His very self. In this kingdom, the bread falls down every day because His mercies are new every morning. And in this kingdom, His kingdom, there is someone who stands next to you in the fire. Someone whose arms hold back the waves and calm the storm. For in the kingdom of God, we are not alone. God himself is with us, gives us his soul, Holy Spirit. And God the Father connects us one to another. It goes as far as saying that nothing, nothing would ever separate us from him because of the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And I promise you that no amount of physical distancing is going to keep us apart in spirit. For if death can't do it, quarantining certainly can. So things may not feel so familiar right now. Traditions might look a little different in the days ahead. But what's here never changes. For through it all, His kingdom and His righteousness reigns. It's why we can, in complete thanksgiving, read and declare this psalm that Pastor Tim sent out to us over this week via email. I love this psalm because you can look at it and you can identify in so many different ways. Feelings of being left out, feelings of being alone, feelings of wrestling with doubt, feelings of grief, seeing how others somehow have it better than we do, feelings of depression, pain dealing with loss and humiliation, yet through it all, we scream and cry out and sing verses 5 and 6. Here's our text. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. The goodness running after us. Because we seek his kingdom and his righteousness first, but friends, don't you ever forget that Jesus Christ seeks you. He sees you. 
He knows you. He loves you. And He is with you.